0: We are the Marsland Brothers, and this is the Marcelin Brothers Podcast, MVP for short. We are here to share our story and to contribute our thoughts about everyday topics in life. Time to sit back, relax, and get ready for the MVP attack. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Today is December twelfth, twenty nineteen. And if you are listening or watching, you are listening or watching to the Marcelin Brothers podcast. The twelfth. Can you believe that? I said December twelfth, Marvin. December twelfth? That's crazy. Time is flying. You've got what thirteen
1: days until Christmas?
0: Yeah, I, I still can't believe we are already so close to the end of the year. We're about to start saying 2020 now. Isn't that crazy?
1: The countdown is on. 2020, the year where magical things are going to happen just because the numbers just sound so good. 2020.
0: 2020, man. So, Marvin, talk to me, man. What's been going on? How's your week? Oh, do we got a special guest coming in? Do we potentially have a special guest going into the podcast? Or did I scare the special guest away? Nah, we don't have
1: any special guests.
0: <laughs> All right. All right. All right. All right, Marvin. What's new? What's going on? Talk to the world. Talk to MVP. What's up? Well,
1: another good week. Good week down. Um, I should be closing officially next week. Uh, we ran into a little uh, complication, I guess. But that's part of the game when it comes to you know, buying real estate. And hopefully... Uh, Things work out smooth, without any hiccups, and uh, I'm I'm excited, you know. It's going to get just take one more step towards getting that one property a year. That's my goal. That's the goal.
0: Uh, So like we said, man, we're getting closer and closer to that. I think for me, this week was a tough week at work, but we're slowly finishing that week. So it's nice. We've got... Tomorrow, which is Friday, which means it's Friday, which means it's the beginning part of the weekend coming up. And we got some fun things going on. I'm going to be checking out the basketball game. I'm going to be checking out the Lakers versus Heat game over at American Airlines Arena. So, Rod and I are going to be checking out that game. And then, weekend, we got family fun. We'll probably be putting out the outside decorations for the house to continue to get into the holiday spirit. And start getting closer and closer to the 25th. So we got that. And then we've got Marsland Family Christmas coming up pretty soon. So I'm excited about that. And I'm just looking forward to the next few weeks when we all get to hang out, spend some time, family time, holiday time. There's not a better time of the year than this, bar none.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. And speaking of the holiday season, uh, this weekend, on Saturday, I'm going to be going to the Apollo Theater for uh-huh. one of those Christmas specials. Um, we did it last year, uh, my wife, myself, uh, my friends, uh, Janine and Justin, and uh, we had a blast. Janine and Justin, by the way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're going to be doing it again this year, and my goodness, the talent that's out there is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I knew... I was going to be in for a treat because you know the Apollo Theater and everything that you've heard about and you've watched and listened to over the years. But being there in person, um, I was able to like just hover over the stump last year. I'm going to do the, the same. I got to take that iconic picture next to the yes. stump. Yeah. And man, just live performances during Christmas season—it doesn't get any better than that. The music is always on point, and I. Definitely recommend if you guys ever get the chance. Check out the Apollo Theater uh, in New York City.
0: Oh man, that's a good look, man. So, all of the famous acts that have, do they have up over at the Apollo Theater? Are there pictures of famous people who have performed there before they were big? Like, talk to me about what the atmosphere is like over there.
1: Believe it or not, the theater itself is not huge it looks much bigger on television than it is in real person, in real life. Mm. Now, they don't, when I was there last year, they didn't have just like a wall of all the um, performers and whatnot who performed over the years. However, a lot of times they have like uh, commercials and you're waiting to get the actual uh, performance to go and then they they bring up uh, some of the old uh, iconic people you know, like uh, Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. people who come through to Apollo Theater just to you know, showcase and broadcast all the talent that's passed through over the years. Uh, but we'll see how things are this year. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I, I wonder how things change from year to year.
0: No, for sure, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, hey, while you're out there, you might as well tweet at the MVP crew, just letting everybody know what you're doing, where you are, and letting them know that you're thinking about us while you are enjoying your family time, man. Take some photos while you're in New York. Maybe walk near to, you know, have that empire state of mind that you have and just start tweeting out, just showing everybody our multimedia presence.
1: Also, something else that just popped into my head, uh, just changing the subject just a little bit, Um, I'm going to be participating, hopefully, in a webinar in which I am going to be talking about some podiatry-related things. And who knows, maybe this might be an avenue that I will start to walk towards when it comes to my profession, maybe drop the, uh, you know, get on the mic, talk about the things that are going on in the profession, and just, you know, broadcast more information. So I'm going to be giving it a shot. I'm going to be doing a webinar in February uh, during Black History Month. And I'm also going to be going to one of the local universities, and I'm going to be uh, helping doing a lecture when it comes to like surgical skills with the so Oh
0: man, look, cameras we'll, are calling we'll you Professor
1: so. so That that's going to be going down in January. So that uh, that lecture where I'm going to be doing hands-on you know, surgical things is going to be in January. It's going to be at the. University of Sciences in Philadelphia. And then I'm going to be doing the webinar in February. So I will you know, let you guys know how that goes as the time comes up. And so things are good.
0: That's got to be a surreal feeling where you have pretty much come full circle from being in the chair of where those students were, listening to the lectures, listening to professors speak to you about podiatry to now being the person who is doing the lecturing, being the person who is sharing the information and maybe talking to a future Marvin that is in the seats and then paying it forward so that that person may be doing that one day too. It's got to be a surreal feeling for you, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great feeling. Um, It's coming definitely around full circle and I'm at that stage where I get to dream a lot, right? I get to dream about where I want to take my career. Yes. Specifically because the end of the road for where I'm at now literally is June. Very end of June. Yeah. July 1, I'm out. And I'm, you know, they bestow whatever they want to bestow on me. But they're like, you're out the door. You're on your own. Good and bad thing. You know, I, I do feel like I am... Right there, I'm ready. Um, I do feel excited for the future, but I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want my future self to be like. I know I want to own a practice, run a practice, but I also want to have passion projects. And uh, a lot of the passion projects will deal with educating, giving other people opportunity, and then still giving back to the communities who have hooked it up for me in the very beginning. So uh, one of the places that I shadowed when I was wee young and pre-med and all that, uh, I'm still affiliated with that free healthcare clinic and I do give some time and I, I go back up there pretty much once a month or so. So I'll be going there this Saturday, by the way. So I need to find a way to incorporate that and it's all said and done and I'm officially attending. So, like I said, I'm in that dreaming stage, and we'll see how I could put all that stuff together.
0: I'm telling you, coming full circle. So, And the beautiful thing about this is the MVP crew will be able to learn and watch that, and we will be able to see you go through that maturation process. So, my man, good luck to you. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to watching that story unfurl and it's going to be amazing, so keep up the good work, Marvin. You know we are all proud of you, so keep it up.
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. So All right.
0: Do you think, yes. Should we let's, jump into it? Let's, do it? let's do it. So, Marvin, I think we'll have you go first, and I'll go last. Go ahead. Show the MVP crew what you're working with.
1: So I'm working on... As you guys know, I'm interested in real estate and I'm working on you know, acquiring that second property so I can get it on the market and I can find a renter. With that, I was looking on different articles and I came across one by MarketWatch. And the title of this specific article is, the hottest housing markets of 2020 are far from the coasts. So, let's jump into it. Forget Seattle, Denver, San Francisco. Idaho is poised to be the hottest housing market at the start of the next decade. A new report from Realtor.com identified the housing markets that are expected to see the most notable home sales and price growth in 2020. Boise is ranked number one, which is a market that increased from number eight a year ago. Driving Boise's climb up the Realtor.com ranking is a massive influx of new residents from pricier parts of the country, in particular. California. Many of these out-of-state buyers are drawn by the city's mild climate, outdoor lifestyle, strong schools, and its major employers, including HP. Boise has already seen a boom in terms of housing. A recent report from the Federal Housing Finance Agency showed that home prices in the Idaho state capital have risen 11.1 percent last year. After Boise, McAllen, Texas, and Tucson, Arizona, ranked number two and number three on Realtors.com's list. McAllen, Tex, and Texas, horrible home prices combined with Texas's favorable tax environment have met the border city an attractive destination for home buyers looking to move. Tucson, meanwhile, has benefited from an influx of retirees looking for warm weather and young adults looking to study at the University of Arizona or work for popular companies that have set up shops there, like Amazon, Texas, and Instruments. One of the biggest changes is the shift away from the coasts. All but one of the cities projected to be among the top 10 hottest housing markets of 2020 are located inland. Charleston, South Carolina, is being the outlier. So what I wanted to do now is just, uh, they gave a list of the 20 or 25 uh, top places worth there, where they are predicting in 2020 is going to be when it comes to housing. So I'm just going to list off a couple of those places. So number one, like we mentioned before, was Boise, Idaho. And uh, this article mentions a median sales price of $295,000. Number two is the McAllen, uh, Texas. Median sales price is $152,000. For three is Tucson, Arizona. 230,000. 4. Chattanooga, Tennessee, 189,000. 5. Columbia, South Carolina, 178,000. 6. Rochester, New York, at 149,000 median sales price. Number 7. Colorado Springs, Colorado, at 312,000. 8. Winston Salem, North Carolina, at 169,000. 9. Charleston, South Carolina, at two hundred seventy thousand, and number ten, Memphis, Tennessee, with a median sales price of one hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars. So, you know, what I found interesting is, in the past, people have always talked about it's all about the coast. People want to live in the coast. The coast is where you get the beautiful views. Uh, usually. Um, if you're near water, bodies of water, that's also a major attraction. But now it seems as though people are beginning to realize no, it's really expensive to be out there. Maybe we move more inland, you can create a new, uh, a new area that is a new place to go, and this trend is starting to pick up. So people are slowly but surely moving more inland. What do you think, Junior?
0: So, when I was looking through this list first off, and this is probably a a selfish, you know, <laughs> what's up, but I was looking at the the list, and I noticed that on that list is Memphis, Tennessee. And Marvin, as you know, I am a rental property owner, and I do have two houses in the Memphis, Tennessee area. So, when I'm looking at that list... You know, it, it makes me happy to know that I'm in a place that looks like it might be one of the hotter housing markets, So that's just a self plug, but I'm pretty excited about that. Well, you know, I'm not surprised about this because yes, the coasts the coasts are the areas where maybe people want to go, but the coast, if you think about when we had the last housing market crash, the coast areas are the ones that have the high highs and the low lows. And what, you know, I started doing research and when you looked at the housing market, a lot of the areas that really didn't suffer as much were going to be the areas that were inland. So you may ask, well, why is that? Well, one, you didn't see the initial property values rising up. So when the bubble burst, those areas weren't as affected because the highs didn't go really, really high. And the lows didn't really go really low. So when you're looking at housing markets and where people feel comfortable, I think people are looking for affordability. And at this point, I think some of those coastal markets, they're hot, they're high. And I think a lot of people nowadays, what they're thinking of is instead of me living in L.A. or San Francisco or New York, you know, can I find another place that allows for me to have more bang for my buck when it comes to being able to afford things because, you know, as we look at our finances, I think all of us can pretty much say that our number one financial area that we spend money on is going to be housing, whether it's in form of a mortgage or if it's in form of rent. And if we're able to control that money, that dollar amount, we may be able to make our money stretch a lot more than what we couldn't do if 95% of our monies was going to housing. And I think with a lot of these areas, not only is it more affordable, but you get a lot more bank for a buck. So, for instance, I'm going to use Memphis, Tennessee as an example. You can get houses that are in the 50000 60000 price range that are, you know, three, two, four, two bedrooms in that area for that price range. Whereas if you were to try to find that same house over in South Florida, you'd be spending probably close to at least $100,000 for that. I can only imagine how much that's going to be out when you're looking at California or New York. But again, Memphis, Tennessee is not necessarily in your coastal beach areas. It's you know inland a little bit. So I think that when I'm looking at this list, like you said, A lot of these areas aren't going to be on your coast. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. Some of these have different attractions. So I'm looking at, you know, Colorado Springs, Colorado. You know, you're close. You're probably pretty close to Denver. Colorado Springs, you're still going to be able to ski. That's another type of, you know, recreational sport that people may want to be able to do. I'm looking at Salt Lake City, Utah. Same thing. It's You know, the snow, outside nature. And that's what I'm looking at a lot of these things, too. So it's a nice mix between affordability and not just being in the water. And I think those are some of the big things that people are taking a look at. And that's probably why they're looking at getting away from the tide cities and getting closer inland. So those are some of my initial thoughts when I was listening to you talk about this conversation for this story.
1: Yeah. For sure. For sure. I think it's very smart to think about the finances. And to me, I think when it comes to uh, housing, once you get enough people to want to go somewhere and once enough people say this place is nice, I think that changes the perception of a lot of people. And if that's starting to happen, then if you get enough people to say, you know what, moving more inland is the place to be that's where it's at hey uh, prices will eventually start to slowly creep up uh, and then more people are going to be attracted to it because if people are going to spend more money to be in a certain area there has to be something that is very good about it so i think that effect might pop in and then um, individuals who have investments there over time i'm sure they'll start to be happy too so i think that sort of thing potentially could happen. But again, they are speculating. It's not 2020 yet. We don't know if this is actually going to happen. So we'll see. Time will tell.
0: No, I definitely hear you on that one. Good stuff. All right. So I've got, you know, I was going through different articles. I'm trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about. I figured, you know what? Let's just continue on with Market Watch since that's an article. You chose it from that periodical and I'm going to use the same thing. So mine is going to be about Lyft. So, the name of this article is going to be Lyft's Rental Car Plans, Broadside Hertz and Avis Stocks. So, this was an interesting article because I always think that it's pretty cool to see how companies try to, you know, branch out, use their market share in something, and try to see if they can go into another market. So, I'll talk about it, and we'll see where things go. So this was written again by Emily Berry, and this was published on December 12th. Ride Hailing Company adding a rental car option for some users in L.A. and the Bay Area, which hits already damaged rental companies. The rise of ride-hailing companies has hurt the rental car giants, and now Lyft Incorporated wants even further into their lane. Lyft announced Thursday afternoon that it was launching a rental car service, allowing customers to nab loaner cars from within the Lyft app. The service will initially be rolled out in a few cities, with the company saying that Lyft Rentals is now available for select users in the Bay Area and Los Angeles. The announcement caused more pain for the rental car stalwarts, which saw their stocks dive as news was announced near the end of Thursday's trading session. Hertz Global Holdings Shares ended the session down 4.8%, while Avis Budget Group stock lost 4.4%. Lyft also finished the day in the red with a stock of 1.6%. In a blog post, Lyft described its service as being good for road trips, moving day errands, and much of the needed weekend escape, and promised a $20 ride credit each way for trips to the rental lot. The company said it would charge the market price for refueling and not tack on mileage charges. A concierge will help customers when they arrive at Lyft's rental loft. Lyft went public in late March and has a rough ride since then. Shares closed Thursday, down 35% from their initial offering price of $72. Investors have punished both Lyft and rival Uber Technologies for their record of heavy losses, though Lyft has won some relative praise from analysis for its focused businesses. Lyft's operations are mainly domestic and oriented around ride-hailing, while Uber has a more international presence and runs freight and food delivery services in addition to its main ride-hailing business. Shares of Lyft have added 10% over the past month, as the S&P index has climbed 2.5%. So, when I was reading this article, I thought, you know, it was interesting because of the fact that when you're looking at, again, Lyft, we think of Lyft kind of like A cab taxi service, you know, you it's convenient for individuals. You know, there is technology that's involved. You're trying to find somebody. You just go onto the app and that makes it very accessible for your everyday common individual. Whereas when you're trying to call for a cab, one, you got to be in an area where there are cabs. Two, you don't necessarily know exactly when you'll be able to find a cab or not cab which I think is where the lifts and the Ubers of the world with their technology, I think, helps us out. Now, I do think that this is interesting, the whole what they're trying to do with the, with the rental service. They want to make it more of a, hey, this is just we're just in and out. You know, you just want to be able to borrow it for a couple hours or maybe a day. And that's probably a different feel that I get versus when I'm trying to run a car, I'm thinking I'm renting a car because I want to go on a trip. But when I'm reading this, they're trying to make it sound like it's more of a, you just want to borrow a car for an afternoon instead of, one, having your own driver drive you everywhere. If you want that flexibility to be able to go where you want to go, and it's just more of an afternoon thing, you just go here and there. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And what I thought was interesting, too, is as soon as that news came out, you had your other rental car companies pretty much just plummet because now they've got another person that they're having to compete against. So, again, I just thought it was an interesting story. I think that I guess it's worth a shot. You already had that name recognition. So just see where you're able to do it from there. So those are my initial thoughts of the article. What did you think about that? Like as far as, you know, what Lyft is trying to do and how they're trying to go into a different market share, Marvin. What do you think?
1: Well, I think I understand where they're coming from and what they're trying to do. But what's interesting is they are just trying to expand what their scope is. So when you think of Lyft, Uber, rideshares in general, you're basically saying, I want to be able to get picked up from point A and get dropped out at point B, without me having to worry about uh, having my own vehicle. So when Lyft is trying to go into other rental cars arenas, uh, I feel like that might be defeating the purpose of what Lyft and Uber was all about. But then I kind of understand why they're doing that, because they're just trying to increase more of the market. They want to have more ins and they want to be able to have more streams of income. I get that. But my question is, all right, so where are these vehicles coming from? Uh, So is it something where if I'm a Lyft driver, could I basically say I can actually drive my car to pick up passengers and make money that way, but could I also rent my car (laughs) so that hey, this is my vehicle. I'm going to leave it here. If you want to use it, you can come and get it. What's fascinating is they are giving that $20 credit where you can have a driver pick you up, drive you to that location where the cars are, drop you off, and then you can take that car and drive wherever you want to go. But if you're going to have someone pick you up to drive you to rent a car, why not just Have that driver drive you to wherever you want to go. I don't know. But to me, like, am I going to use Lyft's vehicles to rent a car? Maybe. It might grow on me. (laughs) It might grow on me. So I I see what they're doing. They're increasing, they're broadening their scope. But the question, and what I kind of wanted to see them go in this direction, which is autonomous cars. That's the thing that I wanted to hear them say. Oh, we're taking a couple steps closer towards uh, the driverless cars. You know, that's something that I want to see happening. I feel like when that happens, we're taking one more close, one more step closer to the Jetsons, uh, You know, how I kind of imagine what life would be like at this day and age. So. I get it. I see what you're doing, Lyft. All right. You, you do you. Um, if you guys are successful, I might give it a try uh, in the future. But the thing is, uh, I see how the other competitors are getting nervous and you know, their market shares kind of fell a little bit, which is very fascinating. I guess that makes me think that are we in a shift, a paradigm shift, where now the model of rental cars are changing and so the companies that are quote-unquote old-fashioned do they need to figure out ways to keep up otherwise they're going to be uh, overtaken is, is this the beginning of something like that I don't know I don't know but I'm really curious to see what all the other competitors are going to be starting to do so I'm sure uber is going to be you're going to be watching Lyft closely they start to make money and they're profitable in this new arena, they're probably gonna be doing the same thing. And then my question is, now will the traditional rental cars do a 180 and start to offer ride services in order to just keep up with everybody else?
0: I don't know. I think that Lyft is panicking because, remember initially when Lyft and Uber both went public, for their initial public offerings, their IPOs, their offering price was very high, but now it almost seems like the hype was more than what it was worth. And if you're comparing, if you were to buy Lyft very early on, and you look at what your margins are now, you've lost money. So, do you think that this move is a move for them to try to get back some of the loss that they had and and maybe the initial plan and idea of how they're making money isn't what they thought it would be. So they're just trying to scramble to find something that sticks. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that definitely has um,
0: a component of it. Because at the end of the day, if you are open to the
1: public now, now you have a responsibility to make all your investors happy. And if people started off with a double digit drop in evaluation, so they're losing money from the get-go. They're trying to find ways to bring that money back and make money. So yeah, that uh, that definitely makes sense uh, to me. But then I like to think of the bigger picture, which is, all right, what is the future of vehicles? Um, what is the future of the um, vehicle sharing economy? What is the, the way that consumers are going to be thinking about how these vehicles should be operated and used? And I remember... Uh, hearing about what Tesla wants to do in the future, which is eventually, if you own a Tesla—correct uh, me if I'm wrong. This is just what I hear, so I don't have anything outside of uh, hearsay to tell you if this is actually what's going to happen. But from what I heard is Tesla wants to eventually, if you own that vehicle, um, you could potentially make it a rideshare vehicle, autonomous ridesharing vehicle, um, if if you would like to do that, so that your car. When it's driven you to where you need to be, it's sitting down uh, in one location for many hours in a day. If you want, you can have that car work for you, in quotation marks, where it's picking up, dropping people off while you don't need that car. And so by the time when you actually need it, maybe at the end of the day of work, the car will come back, it'll pick you up. And so instead of it just sitting there idle, not doing anything, it's making you money while you're making money at work or whatever it is that you're doing. So, you know, I thought that that is what ride shares will eventually be like. And so different companies are just going to be scrambling to figure out what can they do to keep up with that notion. And and maybe this is like the first step that uh, some of these competitors are doing. And then maybe uh, this doesn't even happen in a... Uh, at all with Tesla. So we'll see. I know it's hearsay, but you know, that's something that gets me excited. I'd like to see something like that happening.
0: Well, I mean, you hear, the again, we're with, with continuing talking about Uber and Lyft and Google and all this stuff. I mean, there is electric cars. You're starting to see we are in that next generation boom where you're starting to see technology take off and you're starting to see different things that you thought were just imaginary and a figment of your imagination and it's now coming to life like again we all remember when we were watching the judsons we remember flying cars i mean within the next four or five years uber what they're trying to do they're trying to have flying cars where they you know have patent i think they're patented you know some of the technology they're looking at trying to create Almost like helipads on top of different buildings, and that instead of driving on the ground like what you normally would, you're able to actually have flying cars that go from area to area and area. So it's just so fascinating that at one point we thought that this was something that was never going to happen, but it may happen between our eyes, between during our lifetime. So I think that. As more companies try to push the envelope, as more individuals try different things, things that were just imaginary are now becoming a reality. So that's one good thing that I do like about how these companies are thinking differently about transportation. And I think what will be very interesting is you know, what is that next step going to be? You've got driverless cars, you've got cars that may, and you've already seen the tests of driverless cars or cars without having a driver, and you've got people in the passenger seat, so they're doing tests all the time, so it's getting close and close and close. The technology now, like if there's certain cars that you can put in on a certain mode where you just drive, you're not touching with your hands, you're not touching with your feet, you're pretty much just sitting back, and you're letting it go. Now they say don't do this, but that is actually capability right now and it's almost waiting until Congress passes these laws saying that it is okay to do and then all of a sudden they'll start advertising for that. So all in all, you know, I think Lyft, you know, they're trying to do this thing with their I guess their rental cars and Uber. You know, when I think of Uber, I think of transportation, think of Uber Eats. So again, I think these companies are expanding what they can do want to get more market share but I think now they're starting to rely on their name and with that name comes some recognition I think that's helping them get to different areas that they probably didn't initially think of when they were first going live with their services
1: yeah man for sure for sure so yeah this stuff is very exciting for me Um, I hope we can continue seeing progress you know, when it comes to this country and, and, and cool things like that, it gets me all hyped up and you know, wanting to see what the future has to offer. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. And hopefully the MVP crew will hear it from us first. Well, look, I know it's getting late. I know we got Friday going on. I know we're about to finish and get to the weekend. So why don't we just close? Marvin, if you just want to share the crew, what you would like for them to take back, From the article that you picked
1: yeah so with my article the hottest housing markets of 2020 are far from the coast basically what i'm getting from this is look we are getting smarter when it comes to finances and you know sometimes if things are just way too expensive we need to figure out what can we do to get uh, the, uh, the lifestyle that we want at a more affordable price and when it comes to housing it seems as though Moving more inland, farther away from the coast, is the way to go. So you can find the stuff that you're looking for. Just continue looking, guys and gals.
0: All right, really cool. And for me, you know, the article that we, I was talking about Lyft and how Lyft is starting to go into different areas, different markets. I think that you know, with companies trying different things, companies using their name, using their brand to try to explore different ways of doing things. I think that's a way that technology shows how it's going to be able to make the world a little more convenient. And it makes you think differently about things that you would routinely do every day. So again, with this example of the rental car, you know, hey, you're coming in, you know, is what they're trying to do more of the, hey, instead of needing to borrow a car, for a whole weekend and buying two days worth of rentals. Hey, I just need something for the afternoon. You've got your curbside assistance going from where you need to be. You have your car, do whatever you need to do. And then after that, bring it back. I think it's a different way that individuals are looking at transportation. And the more creative we can get with things like this, the more that it will really help us as a society be able to do different things. I think with looking at that, you know, is it a way for you to be able to save money when you're doing this as well? Instead of having to rent a car for a certain amount, you know, what type of discounts will you be able to do by pairing these things together? So I just thought that it was an interesting move that Lyft was trying to do. And I think one thing that we can learn from this is, again, don't be afraid of trying something different. You know, use the opportunities that you have, the people that you interact with and with the connections that you build maybe you're able to get into something that you did not initially think you would be able to get into. So those are my two cents about the story.
1: Awesome, man.
0: Awesome. All right, so what you got going on for the rest of the week before we sign out, my man?
1: Got cases tomorrow. uh, Then going to be hosting a couple Christmas holiday parties. So I have one tomorrow. Hosting another one on Sunday. And then on Saturday, I got work in the morning, and then I'm
0: going to the Powell Theater in the evening. Tony, man, you're starting to be Mr. Host. You're starting to be the host that does the most. Very nice. Very nice. Good stuff. And then for me, I'm going to be checking out that basketball game. So you may see me on TV. So if you want to check out ESPN, you know, I will be at the Heat Lakers game. So, you know, feel free to. How about your boy? You know, it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to give you an opportunity to see how I live on the weekends, hanging out Miami, South Beach style. No, that is totally not me at all. But no, seriously, be able to hang out. It'll be good and then some good quality time with the family. So that's always good. And I'm always looking forward to that. So that's what I've got going on. So that being said, MVP crew, thank you again for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Marshall Brothers podcast. If you like what you hear and you want to continue to support us, please feel free to find us in any of our multimedia venues. We can be found on email, marshallandbrothers at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us up on all of your social platforms Platforms, and you can find our actual podcast on you know, you can go to Apple to check us out there. You're able to find us just Google, just put your name, put our name in Marcel Brothers Podcast, and you'll be able to find us. And if you like YouTube, you'll be able to watch us live while we're doing our YouTube channel. So check us out when it comes to their Marcel Brothers. Anything else? That's it. Well said, brother. Well said. All right, Marvin, take us home. All right, guys.
1: It's been another fantastic episode. Can't wait to see you all next. Talk
0: to you later. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Marston Brothers Podcast. And remember, do work and make a difference in somebody's life.